Thank you for listening to this podcast by the River Family Christian Center. We pray that this message strengthens and encourages you in your walk with God. Amen, amen. Yes, these are two Bibles. You're lucky. All right. I want to spread my whole library, right? How many have more than one Bible at home? Amen. Amen. How many love the sound, as Caleb said Wednesday, the sound of page turning? Amen. Right? Right? These electronic books they do, it drives me crazy. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and open our Bibles up to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to jump into this very quickly. We're going to continue to talk about the absolutes of God, but primarily today, we are going to continue on primarily, um, not talking to Dean in any way, shape, or form about this, uh, but the word he had. We're going to be jumping a lot off of that. Um, How many last week remember what we talked about? Two. Good. Three. Four. Great. Do I have a five? Do I have six? Do I have seven? Do I have seven? Not auction yet. We're getting there. We're getting there. But what we're talking about today is we're talking about the absolutes of God. We've been talking about actually for the past week and a half. We've been talking about the truth that is the truth, which is of God, right? The other other topic we've been talking about is this element of no marker. That is really jacked up. All right. Is relative truth, right? And we're going to continue to dive into that today. Caleb said something on Wednesday night, which I thought was very profound, He said the fact is that we as a church have got to, and I'm paraphrasing, we've got to come to the place where we are balancing the word of God and the voice of God together. And this is so crucial. So this morning, I want to share with that with us here a little bit. This past week, I ended up hearing some prophetic revelations from people online, and it terrified me. It was awful. There are churches that are being led, for example, the one that was gave, she had a vision of where in heaven cows were driving tractors and rabbits were teaching them how to paint and there's all sorts of seasonal mountains and everything else full of all sorts of collars and the whole nine yards. And I said, she must have got one of the government issued crack pipes. <laughs> so, sorry, did I say, I'm so sorry. The mic is on. I've got to be careful. Sorry. <clears throat> Some of you are probably going, wait a minute, they give crack pipes? Just kidding. Okay, sorry. But anyway, I don't mean to mock or make fun of, but to be honest with you, it was so ridiculous. How can you not? I'm going to make some bold statements. Look at your neighbor and say, I like bold statements. Then look again and say, maybe not. Depends what it is, right? I hate fighting. I used to grow up, actually, I, I still like debating, I like arguing. I do. I, yep, I still do. Yep. But how many know that it has a place and a time and a zeal for that, amen? But overall, though, I'm tired of arguing. I'm tired of sort of fighting with other denominations and other Christians and other believers. I'm tired of the fight all around us. I'm tired of trying to constantly prove through apologetics and theology the truth of Jesus Christ and of God. To be honest with you, we're going to talk about a little bit of that today as quick as we can. We've got a lot of ground to cover today, but we're going to talk about the fact is that true truth, absolute truth comes through, as we left off last week, through a relationship with God. You must become intimate with the Word of God. I have chewed on this comment for a long time, and I want you to know my heart. I am no longer, I believe this, and I'm almost there, and I'm not saying I don't pray for this nation I am, but I am no longer praying for America to be the Christian nation that it once was. In fact, to be honest with you, when you look at it, it even wasn't before to a large extent. But I am praying for a group of people that are a nation called out by God, separated and set apart from him, that are not afraid of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that know the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that fear him and are willing to die for gospel's sake, for a people to be of one faith and one mind and one heart and one zeal and one passion to rise up to change America. It doesn't make a difference what government, it doesn't make a difference of what institution, it doesn't make a difference of what we are under. If a people rise up and call on the name of the Lord, he will save them. He will redeem them. Any country that continues to allow sort of the promulgating of of, of murder of millions and thousands of children every year, the continuation of racism and hate and discrimination, 
continues to perpetrate sort of the ideology of secularism and sensuality and the whole nine yards is a nation that is not of God. In fact, we talk about this often, and we pray for Israel. But do you know that Israel is one of the most liberal, left-leaning countries in the world? They would be more inclined probably to that of Russia that we have been seeing and they, Ukraine, than probably we would be. Do you understand me? These government institutions are placed by God to govern us and to protect our rights. Institutions and authorities over us are there to guide us into righteousness and to protect us so that we may have the freedoms to do so. But they have become our God. And when they cross that line, and I'm not trying to get in politics today, I'm trying to make a point. When we cross that line of giving them absolute power and allowing them to dictate our truth and our reality, they have become our God, they have become our creator. I wonder if this nation will ever be the same again. In fact, to be honest with you, not because of hopelessness, but for the sheer aspect that the masses have been stupefied and have been put into sleep. We no longer research anymore. We no longer read a book anymore. We take the first thing that we hear on a YouTube short or a TikTok video, and we go, by goodness God, that is truth. And then as a result, the church does the same thing. We were praying last Monday in Marietta, last Friday rather, in Marietta, and one of the things that really touched my heart is I, I did share it, but I just began to chew on it a lot more. Instead of praying for churches to have a denominational shift, to have a theological shift, to have a mindset of, of where they're, what they believe in and everything else, instead of attacking that and constantly bringing up, why don't we pray for them to get a true touch of the word of God and a true touch of the Holy Spirit? In fact, this week, there's a book that I would love to get. It's called The Sacrament, The Evangelical, and Pentecostal. It's a great book. I heard a synopsis of it. I haven't read it fully. I want to get it. But it talks about that we can appreciate the aspects of what denominations and religion gives us, not in a point of tolerance. But let's take this for example. This will really weird a lot of us out. Are you ready? For many times, we look at Catholics or the Catholic denomination and we think, man, those guys do some pretty outrageous stuff. But do you know the element of the Eucharist? How many know what the Eucharist is? Good. It's the element of where the priest blesses the bread and the water, or the wine rather, and when they believe that when the individual takes it, it becomes instantly bread and blood, flesh and blood. Now that is not denominationally sound in scripture. But do you know what we do find out? Is that they respect and honor communion and what Christ gave us. Now, I'm not saying for all of us to go be, let's start doing Eucharist. I'm not saying it at all. But what I'm saying is it's time for us to change our perception. It's time for us to stop listening to everything around us and listening to ourselves and our soul and our flesh and everything else and going out and picking fights with everybody. Listen, we're Americans and we, we love every rights that we have and our liberties and everything else. But how many know that we have a lot of opinions on the internet? Opinions upon opinions upon opinions. But the problem we have is this, and please hear me on this, is that our opinions, if they are not founded in truth, they are nothing. You are just a clanging symbol, another voice of nonsense that doesn't help anybody. Instead of going to my Lutheran brother, or going to my Lutheran Catholic brother, or going to, I say Lutheran because my dad was raised Lutheran, I've been to some Lutheran services, and hoy, right, okay, they're different. Instead of going to our evangelical brothers and sisters, instead of going to our United Pentecostal brothers and sisters, instead of going to those who believe in modalism or, or Calvinism or, or whatever the case may be, why don't we have a concept of coming to them and saying, okay, let us break this down together, the truth, and see where a commonality is. Let us love one another and help one another so that we can see the gospel of Jesus Christ rule and reign. But what happens is we immediately leave that conversation when we attack them because of theology. Today, how many of us are so divided because somebody has an R or a D beside their, their political viewpoint? I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, Green Party, Independent, Libertarian. I don't care what you are. My question is this. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and is your morality and your voting history and your life built around this? If it's not, I don't care who you are. I have a problem because you don't know it. I have a problem because you don't know Jesus. A good loving problem. All right. I want you to understand that when we talk about relative truth, 
the essentiality of absolute is to know God, is to have relationship with him. You know, I'm going to say something bold again. It is one thing for us to take territory. It is one thing for us to advance. It is one thing for us this morning in the service to say, man, praise God, I can do it. We're going to do the Holy Yards. And to receive that, but can I tell you that if your foundation is not built in the word of God, it's going to be difficult. Ask me, tell me, please, anyone, how are we to move and take territory? Ouch, you guys look like the teens. How do we take territory? Programs, denominational studies, theologies, great churches, great music. We take territory because we have a relationship and by a relationship with God Almighty. So that no matter where I am at, I know that he loves me and that he cherishes me and he is my God and he is my king. That he is absolute truth and this is my absolute foundation. So that means that no matter where I go, I'm going to change something and someone. So regardless of where I'm at, I'm now no longer a victim but I'm now championed, why? Because Christ has overcome. Are you with me? So no matter where I step, I don't have to be all ooey gooey, I don't have to get a prophetic word, I don't have to get an insight, I don't have to get, I don't have to pray in tongues the whole night, I don't have to do, I can step into a situation and know that my God is on my side with the Holy Spirit inside of us, glory emanates from me because of him. This is why nations and the study of nations are very fascinating to me. Because when you find in Genesis 10, when the time of the, after the great flood, 70 individuals, 70 generations of Noah were the ones who established territories in the earth. They scattered from the time that Noah's ark parked it, and they exited the ark, and they spread out. 70 generations. It became the 70 known countries, or in, internationally speaking, the 70 peoples of the earth. This is scripturally found. We find that in the Beca- when the Tower of Babel is built, we find that there is a disbursement of that because the people were in unity and could do some pretty crazy damage. They'd be right back to where they were before. But the point is I'm making is that when Christ came, in fact, what did he tell the lady at the Samaritan, at the, Samaritan at the well? Do you guys remember that story, the woman at the well? Okay. Good. We got some stories. Good. We're going, right? She came up. She's getting water, right? He comes to her, and she starts debating him about religion, Right? Right? Good, I hope, okay, good, 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 okay, right? How many know what water is? Okay, we're at a good start. Okay, great, great, fantastic. So we're sitting there talking, and he says, man, you Jews say that we have to go to the temple and worship, and what did Jesus tell her? He says, woman, I tell you that there will come a day where neither on this mountain or anywhere else the Jews are telling you that you will worship God wherever you're at. We are the temple of the Most High God. So when we know the word of God and the Holy Spirit's inside of us, the word of the Lord Rhema, and the word of the Lord, Logos, begins to come alive with inside of us, and we begin to wreak havoc on this world in a good way. Do you see that? Wherever I'm going, I'm a walking temple of truth. Adam, I don't know what to do. Who cares? I scolded you last Sunday, didn't I? I said, don't give me that excuse. Well, Adam, I just don't know the Hebrew or the Greek. Who does? What are you going to do? Are you going to see the Hebrew to somebody? They're going to smack you. I'm going to smack you. It doesn't make a difference. Are you with me? You are the temple of the Most High God. God resides inside of you. Who cares what policies passed, per se? Let the world continue to influence what they do. But let's let a body of believers loose in a region, in a land. Do what you do in these churches. But I just want to let you know I'm dropping bombs like nobody's business in prayer. Hoping that God comes and shows you a new thing. I'm not talking about revival. I'm not talking about outpouring. I'm talking about a genuine resurrection power relationship with Jesus Christ. Today what I want to emphasize is this though is that when it comes to the relative truth, when it comes to everything that we do, it really comes down to one thing, one thing. Self. 
everything is dictated around us based on how we feel and what we want. We no longer consider God. Brother, I've been a believer for 10, man, 40 years I've been a believer. I've been born again, bought with the blood, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Boy, I've been dancing, screaming, spitting, everything else. I am the greatest. Boy, I've been doing good my whole life and everything else. So when's the last time God spoke to you? What is the word of God saying right now in your heart, in your life? What kind of impact are you? Not a knock, just a question. What do most do when you're asking those questions? Have a good day, brother. <laughs> They're gone. Because, and we're going to get to this, because they've known the big R word. Religion. And what all this becomes, ultimately, for all peoples, idol worship. I praise my blackness. I praise my homosexuality. I worship my issues. I worship my freedoms. I worship my own attitudes and my own opinions. I worship the social media God. I worship my own life and my own ambitions. Are you with me? It comes to the place where it comes true sacrifice of oneself and coming in line and loving and having a relationship with truth that it becomes absolute to us. Because many will tell you, how do you know that Christianity is true? How do you know that Jesus was born of a virgin? How do you know? In fact, there's a lot of debate. I think I mentioned this before. A lot of debate that even Jesus was real or not. But do you know? Can you tell me right now? That's okay. He's loving it. Thank you, Bubba. He's just preaching it out. I like it. Can you sit here and tell me the power that you have in Jesus Christ? Not a knock. I want you to question this. It was like the question I asked last week. How do you know you are saved? Not as condemnation, but a reevaluation of, boy, I need, to, I need to learn. I need to grow in God. Because, again, we can no longer be ignorant in all that we are doing. How many of you, and I'm going to challenge you here, how many of you, are listening and believing to everything else outside of you, in your head, in your heart, instead of the word of God. You may not cuss, you may not drink, you may not sleep around, you may not have bad attitudes, you may be good to people, you may be a good person, but do you know him who is truth? Look at, come on, David had an affair with a woman after he lusted after her in the Old Testament. All of you remember David? Good, we're getting there, we're getting there. Two for two so far, two for three, okay. So not only that, but then he turned around and set up to where her husband would be killed and murdered. He fell into all sorts of different issues of depression and fear and doubt. But what does God say? Anybody. What did God say about David? What? Huh? What did he say? Man after my own heart. Boy, if we just had a little bit of what David was like. How many of you this morning stood up this morning and said, man, I'm really, sh boy, this mirror is lying to me. I look horrible. I'm terrible. I can't do this. I can't do that. How many looked at the mirror and said, you know what, though? I'm a man and I'm a woman after God's own heart. He loves me. Why? Because I'm me and who I am. And I know who he is. It is no longer the ideology of oneself, no longer. See, we have to remember that we're constantly being lied to in every single avenue of our lives. I was telling Eric here before the service started, and he was talking about a word, and I get personal stuff there and everything, but one of the things that we talked about is that I love this word. I was talking to Dan before on this as well, too, is that one of, the, one of the greatest ways you can know God, one of the greatest ways you can experience God, one of the greatest ways that you can engage with him and have a relationship with him and know the truth is to live in the foxhole with God. So when you are in the battle, ask him questions. So when you're in the battle and the struggle, begin to do everything you can. Listen, how many of you take what you practice here at church? This may be rhetorical. Don't answer this. But how many of you do what you practice here at church, and how many of you do it at home? You come up, we play music, we give a word, we pray and everything else, but as soon as we get home, boy, I'm such a loser. 
I can't do it. This is too hard. How many of you are going to your bedroom, your cars, your bathrooms? Heck, even in your living room where everybody can hear you. That's my side of the family. They're like, we're going to let you hear what we feel. <laughs> I know. Exactly right. And how many of you go to that place and just begin to praise God? How many of you, regardless if you feel it, you're just like, I just thank you. I just thank you. Lord, I just praise you. Lord, I just glorify you. Lord, I feel this way, but those are lies. It's not about me. It's about you. Lord, I praise you. I rejoice in you. And how many speak of your own testimony? How many of you here this morning have a testimony? Good. Start dwelling on the things of God and the, things of, the good things of God instead of what your reality is showing you. In fact, not only that, but there was somebody, I can't remember what I was talking about, I was talking to Dan again too. He was sharing a testimony of a healing he had. And can I tell you, I'm going to take his testimony. I told him I was going to steal it. I'm going to steal his testimony. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to glorify God because of what he did in Dan's life. Why? Because when he suffers, I suffer. When he rejoices, I rejoice. So I take those testimonies, I take those words, and I begin to declare how good he is. So when I feel bad, I'm saying, God, you know what? I may not remember how many of you suffer amnesia when you start going through hard times. All of a sudden, you're like, I don't remember a thing, I don't remember a thing. Well, good, remember somebody else's. There's been moments where I can't remember anything, and I'm so down on myself, I say, God, praise God that, that you, you healed Dan. Thank God that you, you saved Caleb off that IED, and I always joke on him, then he needs to go jump on another one. We always talk about that. And I'm like, sometimes, and I'm like, God, thank you for healing him. Thank you for bringing him through Dean's testimony, our testimony, your testimony, neighbor's testimony. Begin to think about that for a second. Lord, I thank you that, it's not, it's not that you're speaking out personal information, but you're just like, God, thank you that you saved this person from abuse, and if you could set them free from that depression, and Lord, praise God, you can help me. Remember Joshua, the scripture that we've been sharing here this morning. Remember, it was the rocks they took from the river that they brought to the other side to make a monument when the people were crossing the Jordan Sea to do what? To remember what God had done for themselves individually, partially, but it was a corporate deliverance. And don't get religious on me. Well, Lord, I thank you for thy touch and thy healing. I thank you for all the things that you are holy and great for. Man, praise God that we finally got these chairs here, right? Praise God for the carpet. Praise God for the sound system. Praise God for like, how many remember last Sunday? I don't know if Dean or Becky knows about this, but we're worshiping and the whole power went out. What do we do? Keep praising. As Jonathan and Ryan hide behind the counter trying to get behind something, right? Keep praising. Keep going. Praise him for a sound system. Praise him for the parking lot. Praise him for the car. Praise him that we live in Ohio. Praise him we're in. We're not Ukraine. Praise for praise for Ukraine. It's going to be separate. Praise him. Just praise him. Declare his truth. Thank him for what he's done. Have relationship with the truth of God. Now let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I got to go through this quick. I'm going to read from the CJB version. I'm not sure if it's on the screen. It's fine. But just stay with me here. A little bit different. He says, for brothers, I don't want you to miss the significance of what happened to our fathers. All of them were guided by the pillar of cloud and all had passed through the sea. And in connection with the cloud and with the sea, they all immersed themselves into Moses. Excuse me. Also, they all ate the same food from the spirit. And they all drank the same drink from the spirit. For they drank from the spirit sent rock which followed them. Right? This is representing Jesus here. And that rock was the Messiah. Verse 5. Yet with the majority of them, God was not pleased, so their bodies were strewn across the desert. Ouch. Right? Hope we pray and never be a people like that, right? Lord, I pray that we are not the generation that got slewed off, <laughs> slain over there on 339. Are you with me? Let us be a people moving forward. Verse 6. Now these things took place as prefigurative historical events, warning us not to set our hearts on evil things as they did. Don't be idolaters. There it is. As some of them were. As the law puts it, the people sat down to eat and drink and then got up to indulge in revelry. What are we talking about? Self. How many of you come to worship and it's such a struggle? Not because kids, that's a different type of flesh. 
But how many come to worship and you have troubles? You're fighting the temptation to draw you away from God. What's the Bible say in Galatians 5? I think it's Galatians 5. Actually, I think it's 4. It says that the flesh is enmity against the spirit, and the spirit is enmity against the flesh. All right? How many knew that scripture? Uh, oh, man. Four, four, five. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay, good, good. We're getting there. We're getting there. And then he says this in verse 8, and let us not engage in sexual morality as some of them did in the consequence that 23,000 died in a single day. And let us not put the Messiah to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by snakes. And don't grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroying spirit. Keep going. Verse 11, these things happened to them as prefigurative historical events that they were written down as a warning to us who are living in the end times or the latter days. Verse 12, therefore, let anyone who thinks he is standing up be careful not to fall. No temptation has seized you beyond what people normally experience, and God can be trusted not to allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. Boy, some of you need to hear that. How many of you feel so defeated? But Paul specifically tells you right there and then, you know what? You're not going to get more than you can actually overcome. Oh, man, what's that mean? You're going to be batting a 1,000. What's that mean? That's a baseball reference. I have no idea. That means you are going to be victorious in every single battle that you fight. Are you with me on this? On the contrary, along with the temptation, he will also provide the way out. There's another good word. How many of you are believing for a way out? He's already given it. Which means what? Grab a hold of him and hold tight. so that you will be able to endure as it finishes out. Therefore, my dear friends, and I love this translation, run from idolatry. I speak to you as sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I am saying. The cup of blessing over which we made the promise there isn't a sharing of the bloody sacrifice death of the Messiah. The bread we break isn't the sharing of the body of the Messiah because there is one loaf of bread. We who are many constitute one body since we all partake of the one loaf of bread, meaning how many know we're going to be persecuted and have to go through hard times? But how many know there is blessing and joy in Jesus' name? Come on, right? Verse 18, look at physical Israel. Don't those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? So what am I saying? That food sacrificed to idols has any significance of itself? Or that an idol has significance in itself? Verse 20, no. What I am saying is that the things which pagans sacrifice, they sacrifice not to God, but to demons. And I don't want you to become sharers of the demons. Thank you. Do you hear me? We have, in, we have engaged ourselves with demonic theology. We have engaged ourselves with the world. We have married ourselves to all forms of idolatry. Can I bust this out a little bit here for you real quick? Christianity is designed for God to empower us, not for just two days a week. He has empowered us and has a relationship with us so that we can go out in everything that we do and be blessed and see his kingdom come. Do you hear me? So often than not, we get stuck in so many stuff. And I want, man, I want to clarify this to you today. And here's the first idol worship that we do. And this is what I want to transition real quick here. The first idol worship that we do is religion. Now, I want to clarify this. We use the term religion a lot, don't we? And to be honest with you, in charismatic and Pentecost circles, like us, we have a tendency, as anyone else would, believing that we are, or we have the corner on the market for Jesus. Everybody does it. What I mean by religion is I mean it's this mindset that you have to do certain things to approve or to obtain salvation. To the degree that theologies and doctrines that are of men and of demons, as it says in 1 Timothy 4, begin to be infiltrated in the body of Christ to such a degree that we begin to be misled because our salvation now is pertinent upon what we do instead of who we are in him. So when we come to this place of worship, here's an example. Well, I just, I'm just not going to raise my hands. Why? That's just not proper. 
well, I'm not going to shout for joy. Why? Well, because that's just not how I was raised. Well, you probably don't have any joy. <laughs> right? Sorry. That may be, <clears throat> sorry. Grace, guys, grace, 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 grace. Right? Well, I'm just not, I'm just going to come and I'm just going to bask in his presence. In the back? Yes. In the bathroom? Yes. In the back room? Yes. Religion comes and reminds you of who you are. Religion comes and reminds you of your sins and your issues. Religion comes based out of the law and tells you what you should and shouldn't do to get his approval. Why do we listen? Oh, I'm going, okay. Why do we listen to pastors, ministers, and theological scholars and everything else about the things in the relationship of God when they have discounted part of the word of God and the sections of the word of God and have said the Holy Spirit doesn't even exist today? Why then do we take our theology from that? Now the teacher is coming out of me. Because if we want to debate this, this is the problem. It pulls us from a relationship with God and says, you have to do this. This is why Christianity, out of the relationship of God, we have to understand that religion is constantly, is always, let me say this, is forever rooted in condemnation. Paul says himself that the law was written, was it holy? Yes. But it was written to lead you to God. He knew that you could not accomplish it, but through Jesus you could accomplish it. But we have to get out of this mindset and go all out for God. This is my comment before about the country. We are believers, again, with the Holy Spirit inside of us. We have got to awaken to that point and that understanding through the word of God. Not in a new age term, I know that's thrown around, awaken, that's not what I'm saying. But we have to come to the understanding of who he is. The understanding of what the word of God says. Knowing his word, we step into life and let God and the Holy Spirit teach us. We don't wait for the pastor on Sunday. Here's something. I'm going I'm to step on some toes because I love you. Why are you laughing? Okay. How many of us, when you go through an issue, all of a sudden begin to think, boy, if I can just text Dean to pray for me. Boy, I really need a healing here if I could just have Caleb come to my hospital room. Boy, I really need help with my, my marriage. I really need help with my, my kids and everything. Boy, I just can't do it. I wonder if I can, I wonder if I go to Pastor Adam. Maybe he could help me out with that. Now, there's one thing with getting wisdom, and I'm all for getting wisdom. It's good to ask questions. But how many of you are going to this thing, opening it up, Googling, Oh, scripture one, scripture two, scripture three, scripture four, scripture, oh, this is what it says about my marriage. This is what it says about hope. Oh, man, this is in my home. Erica, look what I got. And she's like, yep, got clean. It's going to be an hour service is what it's going to be, right? She's going to hear it all day long, right? But it be, what happens? What happens? It becomes personal to you. And all of a sudden, you're like, I got direction. I got understanding. God's speaking to me. Boy, he tells me that I should just maybe be kinder to my wife. That was it. All my issues was because I was a jerk. So what does the word do? It convicts our heart. It changes our heart. I go to the Lord and say, God, I blew it. Oh, how many like doing that? How many actually do that? Not a big response, nope. How many come to the Lord and say, God, I messed up according to your word and what you're speaking to my heart. I am so sorry. It is a conviction. This is the difference. If you want to know the difference, if you're living relationship or religion, here's the big difference. Are you listening to condemnation or conviction? Conviction is the loving hand of the Father with love and compassion and hope. It's not a ooey-gooey thing. He's not coming up to him and going, oh, shucks, Bill. <laughs> Next time, partner, you got this. It's not what that is, to make you feel good. But it's this loving father coming to you and saying, hey. <laughs> that thing you said to your wife, that was uncalled for. 
That thing you said to that person, you just blew your witness. That thing you just thought, that, that thing that you've had for years, you're holding on to it, and it's a violation of my heart. And in that relationship, in that quiet time with him, we go, God, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. Father, I repent because we fear God. We're moving with God. We're building this consistency and this momentum. And he says, here's what I want you to do. The spirit begins to lead you into the scripture. He leads you. You just have an unction to just start reading. You don't know what sometimes. You don't maybe not know what. And you, you're not the scholar. You start thinking all these things, but you're just starting to read. And you kind of get this notion, maybe Romans, maybe First Corinthians, maybe something. Just start reading. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit leads you. And he begins to speak to you. And next thing he knows, he goes, that's it. That's my kid. That's it. He empowers you, releases you, and now you have what? You've got another monument. You've got another testimony. And now you know truth. You have said no to self, no to religion and condemnation, and no to idol worship, and you said yes to God, giving him all your life. You know what the hardest thing is? is always getting over the hump. Do you know that? It's always the hardest thing when you're going through stuff just to, just to start but can I tell you the very thing that you're searching for and believing for and praying for and everything else is just a matter of you letting go and letting God do it. Because on the other side, he answers every single prayer that you have. Why? Because he's a good daddy. By the way, religion will tell you he's the old man that you're on his yard. Remember that? He's the old man on the porch throwing things at you. He's the old man porch. Stop it. I'm going to kill you, judge you, destroy you. Lightning bolt. That's not God. God is loving and compassionate to set you free. The next idol that we have in our lives. Hardships, trials, conflicts, hurt, and pain. How many are so worshiping the God of victimhood? I'm going to let that sink in for a second. They just don't understand the pain I went through. They just don't understand because everyone's racist. They don't understand because this is, what, this is how God made me. This is the big key with deconstruction, in my opinion. It's a combination of religion and hurt. They have idolized it to the degree that they begin to morph and to misinterpret the word, and all of a sudden, out of them becomes a false apostasy. How many of us are holding on to our hurts? How many of us are holding on to the junk of our past and our current situations? Listen, husbands, wives, parents, whatever, individuals, if you yelled or did something this morning, it's time just to ask for forgiveness and believe the word of God and believe truth, knowing that your daddy is good and let it go. Yeah. Is there a process? Yes. Do you pay for your consequences when you make a mistake? Yes. To some, this is why I think some, a lot of times people in prison find Jesus, right? They're like, I done did messed up, and I'm going to be here for a long time. Think about that. Think about that. I will also add this. Condemnation, religion, and the enemy always gets its power from what it can hold on to you from, its, from your past. Jesus is always now and forevermore. Are you with me? We have to let it go because what happens is it creates this weird relative truth. Think about that. Well, the church hurt me. Therefore, I'm completely deconstructing the church. I'm done with it. Well, what do you believe now? I just believe there's a universal power out there. It's just great. Really? What's it done for you lately? I don't know. I'm still trying to find it. But praise God, the government is handing out pipes, I hear. <laughs> Say no to drugs. Okay. The next idol in our life, the evil in the world. We worship calamity. We worship fear. We worship stress. How many of you flipped out? Don't answer this. When Trump wasn't elected. How many flipped out? When, they, when all of a sudden the White House was occupied by something else. How many of you flipped out when they found they were trying to push CRT and 1619 Project into schools? How many flip out when somebody gets online and just tells you how worthless of a person you are because you don't even know it? How easily we are swayed. Listen, the world wants you to pick a fight. It wants you drawn in with all the fear. It wants you drawn in with all the doubt. It wants you drawn into all the arguing. Get rid of it. 
Remember, back to relationship and truth. You are the temple of the most high God. When you ask, you shall receive. Begin to engage with God and change your atmosphere around you. The situation around you. By what? By declaring truth and then let God go. That's how you do it. Are you with me? We live by this fear and this anxiety. With its great toilet paper shortage of 2021, <laughs> we make it sound like the Great Depression, you know? It's like we, for some of us it was, it was brutal, but just kidding, right? We could tell our kids someday that we survived it. We did. But think about that. Let me give you a serious note. How many of you, don't answer this, how many people in general were afraid and rushed the store because they were afraid of little two-ply toilet paper was going to be out? But how many, okay, and this is going to sound silly, and I'm totally legit about this. How many, though, went to our room instead of going and bum-rushing it out of fear and said, God, there's a shortage of toilet paper. We need toilet paper. Yes! How many, oh, that's so, that is so silly. How many, okay, I have a family of five. We need toilet paper. I need toilet paper. We need toilet paper back. Now, I'm not, I don't get much privacy with my toilet paper, but I, we, we need toilet paper. All right, are you with me? But how many of us are praying for toilet paper? God, I will not be led by the world. Lord, you supply all my needs. And boy, do I need a need right now. Are you with me? Does that make sense? But we think so casually about it, don't we? I don't know. What do my kids do when they need toilet paper? You don't know because you're not in my home. Just kidding, Right? My kids will immediately hop off that pot, no matter how messy that is. They are butt naked, streaking it through the house, all over the place and everything else. And they're like, I need toilet paper. Mom, dad can't find any one of us. All of a sudden, they're like, oh, squirrel. And they start playing with toys in the whole nine yards. They're playing with this and doing this and everything else. Next thing you know, they go over here. They're sitting on the couch, right, watching a TV show. And then I come out. You know, mom comes out. I'm like, where's your mom? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. You're supposed to be in the pot. I've never understood the fact when we're teaching our kids, I still may think it might be, I won't embarrass them, they might be the older ones, but for whatever reason when we wipe, I'll walk in there and there's poop on the walls. I look at Erica, did you do this? <laughs> and my wife, she does not do poop well. She looks at, nope, on you. I made the mistake one time on a sidebar note. I made the mistake one time of letting Ashton when he was little. Actually, I think it was uh, Branson. Letting him run around the house naked. They're cute when they're naked, running around, little bare butts, everything else, whole nine yards. Nothing freaky internet. Um, but they're just cute kids. They just run around everything else. But one of them wasn't feeling well. And so when they got to the hallway, we have hardwood floors in the hallway. So once they got in the hallway, I'm, I, don't, I, don't, I don't feel any well. Well, <laughs> there it goes. All <laughs> diarrhea and... Um, <laughs> So there I am, as Erica looks over and goes, your fault. <laughs> so there I am with paper towels and uh, some cleaning solution and everything else, and with a toothpick pulling poop out of every single crack of my hardwood floor. Remember, put pants on. All right. But we forget these things, don't we? We forget the little things. We forget that God desires us to ask him. Lord, I need some toilet paper. <laughs> how many single parents, how many parents in general, Lord, I need diapers. I need wipes. Formula is made with gold. I need formula. Lord, I need, we need clothes, Lord. We need, we need the, the roof. Lord, Lord, I pray. Come, Lord. We need you. But the world brings all sorts of fear, doesn't it? All sorts of anxiety. Again, we have to disconnect ourselves from it and press on. Amen? How many of you are still thinking about pants? All right. I want to go over two many th one more thing, actually. This is combined two. And this is huge. One of the things that plagues us a ton when it comes to relative truth and moving away from God is this element of a false love, or also known as tolerance. 
One of the things that we got such a kickback last Sunday and questions we had, I noticed this a lot, especially with starting to have these conversations, is how do I talk to people? How do I share with people? It, aren't we believers? Aren't we supposed to love one another? We have bought in to the cultural de- deception of tolerance. I said that quote last week by Lizzo, right? Don't listen to her music. Hoy. She says what? If you can't love all of me, don't love me at all. It's this acceptance of, you know what, this is who I am, back to victimhood. This is who I am, back to her. This is who I am. Stop telling me who I'm supposed to be. And what's happened is we have taken this concept and we have applied it to our relationship with God. We've applied it to our relationship in the church. We've applied it to our situations at home as families. We've applied it to our churches, I'm sorry, our schools. We've applied it to our communities. We've applied it everywhere. Are you with me? This element of believing that, well, that's just who they are. I've just got to accept them for who they are. No, what parent in their right mind would ever do that? If my child says, you know what, I'm, <laughs> I believe that I am called to go play in, on 550 on the highway. No. Well, how dare you tell me that? I'm offended. I don't care. Playing in the highway is not a good idea. Says who? It's relative. Excuse me? I am your father, I am your mother, and that is a danger. I love you enough to tell you that. But as a church, here's what I love. I don't have time for the statistics, maybe next week, but didn't give me a whole bunch. I found a whole bunch. Do you know one of the things is that the majority of Americans, 60-some percent, believe that the word of God should be, re- should be relevant in our society today. Believers, about the same, evangelical believers, which is actually quite low, to be honest with you. If you're talking about 60-some percent, Versus 100% believing in the word of God. But one of the things is they used to say, yes, this should be an influence in our society. We should study this. This should be part of our government. This should be part of our politics and the whole nine yards and everything else. But then when you ask them the question, have you shared the faith with anybody or would you share the faith with anybody? And in between certain types of evangelicals, the average meeting of that number of evangelicals sharing their faith of what they believe is right, it's about 35%. What? We've got this mindset, this mentality. Do what I say, not as I do. How can we expect anyone to be changed? How can we expect anyone to be touched by God? How can we expect anybody to believe in truth when we ourselves do not know the truth? When we don't have a relationship with God. You want to change culture? Share Jesus and his glory. You want to love people genuinely? Get a hold of God and let him impact people around you. You will find that more often than not, that those who speak wisdom and out of truth, out of love and compassion of the word of God, will begin to gravitate to you and receive it and desire it. How many of our people today in this society, think about this for a second, how many of them yearn to be disciplined? Think about that. Not in a bad way. I'm not talking about we should go around and just start being people. But how many, come, how many desire, I meet this all the time, how many people desire to come and say, hey, listen, hon, what you're involved with is detrimental to yourself. And how many turn around and go, you're the first person to tell me that. I know at Branson, for example, a school, and he does this a lot. And you know, one of the funny things is, is that he'll see kids on tablets with pornography and all sorts of stuff and everything else. Now, Branson isn't shy, right? We all know Branson. My number two. But he'll come and say, hey, listen, you shouldn't be looking at that. The person who's looking at it gets offended. The friends around him are getting offended. They're getting attacked, and they're jumping his case the whole nine yards, and da 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 But do you know what happens? All of a sudden, he has other people, other kids come to him and begin to ask him questions about it. They begin to share. Why? Because I'd like to tell this to my kids all the time. You're acting more of an adult than their parents at home. Why? Because you're speaking truth and righteousness out of God. You want true revival. You want true outpouring. You want true change. We need to start living truth. And we got to stop being so scared to tell our kids what for. I'm not saying in a bad way. But do you know that love comes in the form of justice? Healthy fear is good. 
Ashton was goofing around with me the other day, and he comes to the kitchen, and he's like, hey, what's going on, bro? I said, <laughs> I said, first of all, I am not your bro, all right? <laughs> I am your father is what I am, okay, right? Oh, he's like, <laughs> and Ashley's goofing around. You know, he's a teenager. He's like, yeah, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. You know, I, you know, hey, how you doing, bud? And he's like, he's, he's dry humor, right? You know you're doing, bud? I said, you're not my bud right now either. I'm going to smack you in the head when you stop back to what you're doing, right? <laughs> We have to engage our kids and tell, us what, tell them what is right and wrong. Now, will those kids grow up and not get it and fall and make mistakes and everything else and fall away from the Lord? That's a possibility. And guess what? As believers, we have to be ready to accept that to some degree, to understand it to some degree, not accept it in the sense of praying and going after them always, like we pro- talked about today, the prodigal sons, but to a degree to understand that they are held accountable for their own decisions. It is my job to train and to uplift them and pray to God that they make it. You hear me? And it takes a relationship and respect with them. But that is what genuine love is about. When I look at LGBTQ, when I look at uh, communities of other, of other races and ethnic, ethnic communities, and I, and I look at these other people that are hurting, and I look, I look at human beings that need a hug and need Jesus. They need the truth in their lives because what they've been living and what they've been told in idol worship is not giving them salvation. It's not giving them hope. But for us to be effective, for us to make a change, we ourselves have to know that truth. And here's how this works, as I mentioned to Eric earlier, is that do you know that when you're in the foxhole with God, you won't know everything? But if you humble your heart, and let him lead you, and let go of everything. I said this last week, what's Philippians 4 said? Be anxious for nothing, but in all things with prayers and supplication, petitions, let your requests be made known to Google, news, president, pastor, let your requests be made known before God. And the God who surpasses, he will bring about the, the peace of God will come over you. That does what? That surpasses all understanding. You have no clue what the heck's going on. But there's a peace. And he will guide you and lead you. So the very issue you're struggling with, hear me on this last part. The very issue you're struggling with, he begins to bring you close. He begins to mend your heart. He begins to restore you. And what you find is all those other issues all of a sudden begin to be put in place exactly where he wants them to be. And then he begins to lead you. And what you simply slightly small know, that one thing, the fruit, the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the fruit of the Spirit will be the aftermath of your closeness with him. I don't have to work up a gift. I don't have to work up a healing. I don't have to work up salvation talk. I don't have to work up witnessing. I don't have to work up, why? Because I'm now changed and I'm now exhibiting that. To where now when somebody comes to me and talks to me, I know truth. The Holy Spirit leads me, discernment comes, and I begin, you know what? Did your mom or dad hurt you when you were little? Did somebody really rock your world when you were young? I'm really sorry to hear that. I really am. I may not understand fully, but man, I have a heart for you, and I really, I'm sorry to hear that. But guess what? But I know a God who can heal your heart. I know a God who can bring you hope again. What did he tell the woman at the well again? The well, right? Not the whale. <laughs> the well. What did he tell her? He told her, and he sat there and said, listen. He said, I know. He, he knew what he had done, right? And he bypassed all her thinking, all her religion, all her brokenness, all her heartache in the whole nine yards. And he nailed her right where she was at. He didn't blame her. He didn't condemn her. He didn't jump her case. He was led by the spirit and by love. And we saw a woman set free. I love this example. If you ever watch season two of The Chosen, she shows up a lot in Samaria. It's wonderful. Because wherever Jesus goes, she becomes this helper. And she brings everybody in the city to meet Jesus. And she brings him and says, Jesus, here they are. And she's so excited to bring it. it it's a great show. She brings him up to him. And she's like, he's like, this is so-and-so. They wanted to meet you. want to meet you. And he's like, yeah, yeah, excellent. I know you. And he begins to minister to them. 
It shows that her marriage is restored or that the man she's with is restored. The relationship begins to be restored. She begins to be married. It shows this element where she begins to be set free of her bondage. She begins to lighten up. She, she begins to be an evangelist of great, great virtue. That's how it's supposed to work. So st- let's stop playing whatever you're playing. And let's start making God real for who he is between him and you that expands out to the body. And let's start asking God questions and let's start engaging with him. Ask God those questions. Lord, show me. Then what do you do? Nothing. You wait. We spend time with him. We engage with him. We continue to have communion with him. That's the things we do. We stay in the word. Sometimes he calls us to do things, sure. But the point is, is wait on the Lord and he will renew your strength. Wait and he will bring the blessing. He'll bring the answer. So get out of yourself and get out of the worship of all these things. And let's just love God for who he is and who we are now in him. Amen. Amen. Because there's a time coming, guys. Deception is only going to get deeper and darker. Do you hear me? I don't know if this country has much more time. But if she ever goes, and I pray that she doesn't, we will always have God. We will always have God. We will always have God. Amen? Let's go and stand. Man, you guys were troopers. That food smells wonderful. Look at your neighbor and say, boy, it's a good word today. Thanks, it encouraged me. I appreciate it. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to spend money. On desserts, camera. On desserts, internet. That's not what we're saying. He is proud of you guys. He loves you guys. He desires you. He wants us to come away from all the noise and the mess, and he wants to speak with you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Let everything go, and let God lead your heart. Stop making things so confusing and make it relative and everything else. Grab a hold of truth. And if you don't think you can, then you need to ask for it. Because as Paul writes in Philippians, it gives you both the will, the mindset, the heart, the ability, and the will, the ability, and the action to do it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for this service. I thank you for what you're doing. Lord, I thank you for just, man, these awesome people. I thank you for the bride. Let's just thank him right now. I just thank you for the bride of Christ. And all that she has, some bumps and bruises, Lord, and all of its form, Lord Father, I pray right now for the bride as a whole to find revival of the heart, that they find an awakening of their heart and the spirit, they find the truth of the word of God, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you fill their hearts like so much in so many ways, and Lord God, they may be doing their little Methodist service, Lord God, but you erupt and begin to touch the hearts of the people, Lord, that they may be doing their protocols and their religious duties and everything else, but Lord God, you come up and you rise up and you just ruin the whole thing. Father, I pray that you just begin to touch the hearts of the people, the hearts of the families, the hearts of the married ones and the single ones. Father, hearts of the generations in Jesus' name to come away from idol worship and to come close to him again. I pray for renewal, Lord Father, of us coming back to your first love, of what it really meant to be born again. Father, I pray that we just let go of all these things around us and we say yes to you and more of it. Father, we thank you for your truth. It is the only truth. It is the absolute truth because it is real on every level. It is the only truth that saves. It's the only truth that puts our hearts right. For you said yourself, Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to God the Father unless we first come through Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I thank you for that this morning. Pray that we put away our religion, our stresses, our anxieties, 
and we say yes to you in every fashion. Just take a moment, one more moment. Lord, bring us close. Lord, bring us close. Let us be a people that sees a nation change. Let us be a people that brings and ushers in your return without spot and wrinkle. Let us not be afraid to speak truth and to stand for your righteousness. We thank you, Father. We praise you. We glorify you. In Jesus' name. And all the house said, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, next time I'm coming, I'm shouting. In a good way. You guys ready to live? Come on, are you ready to live? He's a good God. And you're not too old. Remember, you're just older. You're not old, you're just older. And for all those young people, you got it all ahead of you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast by the River Family Christian Center. If this message has blessed you and you would like to give financially or you would like more teachings from Senior Pastor Dean Wagner, please visit www.theriverfcc.com.